When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Beaver Banter Podcast. I'm Nick Daschle and I cover Oregon State football and basketball for the Oregonian and Oregon Live. The Beavers are on a bye this week, so we're going in a little different direction tonight. We'll talk about the Colorado game, but we're also going to have a special guest on the podcast. And we are all over the West Coast tonight. Um, I'm I'm in San Francisco. I'm here for I'm, I'm tomorrow, the next couple of days, I'm here for Pac-12 Media Day to to hit up Oregon State. Joining us on the on the podcast is former Oregon State cornerback Kyle White. Welcome back, Kyle. Thank you. And then tonight we've got former Oregon State receiver Timmy Hernandez, who was who was Kyle's roommate at Oregon State for what one year, two years? I'm I'm not sure. What how many years were you guys together? About two years. We were together for two years. You know, I, I, I don't really know much about your relationship, but I know Timmy told me that, uh, you know, he taught Kyle everything he knows about making pancakes. But uh, um, <laughs> what what how, uh, what was that like? What was that like living together at Oregon State playing football together? Go for it, Timmy. That was fun. It was, uh, we didn't know each other. We kind of uh, we came in the same recruiting class in January from junior college and kind of got thrown together and, you know, made the most of it. I assume you guys didn't know each other before you got to Oregon State, did you? We were, we were actually on the same official visit, but that was the first time we met. Oh. Who who else did you guys have for roommates? Uh the Payne brothers. I knew them from high school. Oh, okay. Okay. So there was there was four of you in the, in 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 your apartment or house or Yeah, so we were in the one of the townhomes kind of by uh Reezer. It was it was a good time. We had a good time while we were there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a long, yeah, a long time ago, I did a newspaper feature with a former Oregon lineman who he wrote a weekly diary for us in a newspaper. And the last one he, he gave us, he gave us a bunch of pictures and, and, and one of them was, you know, a bunch of beer cans stacked to the ceiling pretty much. And it, it, <laughs> it looked like an apartment where football players lived is, well, <laughs> I'm assuming your apartment was probably somewhere along the same lines, maybe not with, with the beer cans necessarily, but we kept it pretty tidy. Oh, he kept it tidy. Yeah, ours was spotless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, how uh, uh, you, did you guys? I mean, did you guys spend a lot of time pretty much talking football, or was it was it a lot of other stuff going on when you're when you lived together? Yeah, I think if you get a bunch of football players like that living together, you can talk a lot of football. But other than that, we spent a lot of time playing video games with each other, going out for dinner and stuff, just being kind of college kids trying to enjoy it. Yeah, there's a lot of video games, chilling in the living room, some football, and just hanging out. We win, uh, yeah, so then we just met a whole bunch of people. So yeah, just college kids, though. It was pretty fun, though. 
Timmy, you had the you had the unique perspective of of a plan for for Gary Anderson and, and Jonathan Smith. Um, what what was that like? That was a unique situation. There, we weren't really expecting that when when Coach A left. Then, so I played a year year and a half under him, and then Coach Hall came in and kind of tried to do what he wanted to do. And then you know, a couple of weeks later, Coach Smith comes in, so I got to see a little bit of of each one. And then also, I had three receivers coaches in my three years there too. So I got to I got to see a lot of different things. Got to learn from a bunch of different people. I think I think everyone has their their pros and cons. No coach is perfect and no coach is, you know, can't bring anything to the table either. So tried to really learn from everyone I had a chance to learn from, but you know, I'm, I'm glad that we have coach Smith. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah. I, I mean, I know the 2017 season was a, was a rough one. Um, what, what was your impression of when you played, played for Jonathan in 2018? Yeah, that, uh, 2017 season is like, uh, it's like the no accidents on the on the whiteboard kind of thing. You you know every every three weeks or so I gotta erase it and put zero days since the last time someone's commented about the 2017 Oregon State football team. I think uh, you you've done that a handful of times in the last couple of months. I think I got on you about that. But uh, yeah, when when Coach Smith came in, it was uh it was a nice kind of change change of change of scenery for everyone and. He he came in. He was open and honest that he he went to Oregon State, that he got married in Corvallis, and it was really kind of his dream job to to come in there and be able to build the program. And I, I wish I would have had more time to to play under him, but I, I knew when he brought those guys in that they were going to be able to turn this around, and they have done that. I mean the big the big thing that you know Jonathan preached from day one is you know building the culture. Um, did you see a lot of that in that first year, you know, the thing, you know, building, building that culture? Yeah. And I think a lot of that would go to uh, Mike McDonald as well, because, you know, I think people keep, people forget how, how much time student athletes spend with the strength coach, you know, from, from January to August, really, you, you spend much more time with your strength coach and strength staff than you do with your own position coaches or head coach. And so I, I think that that was a big hire for, for coach Smith bringing, bringing Coach Mack with him down and just kind of trusting him to run the program he wanted to when it comes to, to weight training. And then when it comes to practice habits and stuff, obviously Coach Smith will come in and then he's a really aggressive play caller. And as a, as offensive player, you'd love to see that as a, a coach who who's going to trust you to try to make a play when, when you guys need one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let, let's quickly touch on the Colorado game. Um, Kyle, we, 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 we knew the Buffaloes were bad, but, just because the other team isn't very good doesn't mean it's always going to work out to be an easy one. And I mean, this one really was, what, what, what were your impressions of what you saw Saturday night? I think from uh, our conversation from last week, we sort of hit it like right on the coffin, just where we said like, you know, they're going to go over fundamentals. They're going to go over, you know, scripting out and practicing what they need to practice, knowing that it's not a competitive game against the other team, but more so, just trying to make sure that they have a great foundation and fundamentally. Uh, Martinez looked great. I mean, they ran the ball with him like no other. They let, made sure that he got all his confidence needed on top of, uh, you know, having that quarterback be able to throw and him having some confidence as well. So I think overall, like, defensively played pretty well. There were some rough moments. You know, you have a couple of deep balls that got up to the red zone. But when you get a pick in the red zone and then you get a fumble in the red zone, I mean, it's pretty nice to see. Uh, but overall, offensively and defensively, I think we got a lot out of it. 
and uh, hit a lot of points of emphasis that we need to do for the next upcoming couple weeks after the bye week. Timmy, do you get do you get a chance to watch? Do you watch Oregon State every week or or most weeks or? Yeah, I do. What did you see Saturday night from from you know from Oregon State in that Colorado game, particularly on the offensive side? I think that was just a game that it, it went just as how it needs to go. If that's if the direction of the program that we want to be is uh, competing for a Pac-12 title, you know, we we face a team like Colorado at home. We all know their situation right now. They needed to be able to dominate Colorado from beginning to end, and and they really did that. They they could do the whatever they wanted offensively, shut them down defensively, and that was pretty much the end of it right there. You don't want to spend too much time thinking about a team like that when you're trying to compete for a potential conference championship. I mean, you guys were kind of in this situation a little bit in 2017 <laughs> yeah. at times. All right, there it is. Right there is zero days since the last time. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> does the other team, does the other team try to try to take it easy at some point or do you feel like it's some sometimes they just try to try to really rub it in on on a bad team like like Colorado Colorado's taken some beatings this year for sure. Yeah, they have. Uh no, I I sometimes it's just you know, that's the way football goes. You know, you, you, you watch two teams and, you know, you might one team might be a little bit better than them in every position, and that little bit better on every single play results in a 42-9 to nine win. And that's, that's really what it is in football is just those small, small victories on every play adding up. And, you know, you, you, like you said, we, we know all about that. But uh, I, I don't think you, you take it easy or anything on them. I, just, I think that if you have a good game plan going in, and you are just a significantly better team that you are going to, to do that, and that's what they did. Yeah, uh, Kyle. Defensively, um, you know, you're kind of the expert there. What did you What did you see uh, from Oregon State's defense against Colorado? They, they. I mean, for three quarters, Colorado really didn't do much anything. They most of their yards came in the fourth quarter, and I think they had 100 yards at halftime, and they had a couple of. Yeah, they they sustained a couple of drives, but nothing really spectacular. They had a lot of, I mean, the, the receivers dropped a lot of balls, and I don't know, I don't know what did what did you see? No, yeah, it's all similar. Where I mean, defensively, we played a lot of great coverage. You know, came up with a couple interceptions, which is always nice. Um, we corralled the quarterback a whole bunch, uh, especially the first half. I feel like we sort of let up, but at the same time, like it's not letting up when you're letting more people get time to play. So that's what I did like. So, you know, I feel like in ways Coach Smith was adding in for next year. So like you see some people come out and see new faces come in. Um, But, you know, we had interceptions, we had fumbles, we had turnovers, we had sacks. So, I mean, you can't ask for much more of your defense. I mean, rather than a, what a pick. No, we already had a pick six. So yeah, truthfully honest, you, we got everything that we sort of needed from a defense and, and more. So, I think overall they played as well as they needed to against, again, like Timmy and you were saying, a team that, you know, just stands in the way of us having bigger hopes of a Pac-12 title instead of, you know, just rather than playing around with the team, we just took care of business. Yeah. What, what did you see on the, uh, on the, on the Alex Austin pick, um, the pick six, what, what did you see on that play? It was a cover two. Uh, So he, he actually played it very very well i loved everything about it so from a cover two standpoint what you normally want to do is put hands on one or the receiver in front of you um either get them to go underneath you or if you happen to put them over top of you just push them out as far as possible with him doing so he sort of took himself out of the picture 
that the quarterback couldn't see, so he was able to undercut the uh, pick. I mean, it, it was a great, what, defensive play and great turnover and a great pick six. I mean, that was my favorite play from him all night, and it was a great pay, play for him to just do that well. So I loved everything about it, though. It's a cover, too. Yeah. Um, Timmy, the, um, the the running game hit another gear Saturday night with Martinez. He's last three games. He's, he's clearly been, you know, a difference maker. Um, did you, when you, the one year you played for Jonathan, did, did you sense that Oregon state was going to be a run first team? Cause that's kind of what they've turned into. I, I think that him and Lindgren both do a good job of, uh, not really necessarily having established identity themselves, but can, can make a playbook design uh, based on the personnel that they have. And I, I think that that's where we're at right now. You know, I think when we had Jake Luton in his senior year and he threw like 28 touchdowns with three picks, something like that, they, they let it air it out a little bit more, had had Isaiah Hodge and stuff. I think given our quarterback situation right now, I think both of those guys can be successful as game managers. But if, if you if you put the game on their shoulders, it's going to be difficult to, to sustain wins and – I think they recognize that, and, and until they get that settled, I think that they'll probably have that run-first approach. Was it any sort of a, um adjustment for the receivers at all to to know that you were going to have to block more for, for Lindgren and Jonathan than maybe – I don't know. Did you guys block as much with Anderson, or, or did you – or, or was Jonathan a, a bigger a bigger emphasis on, on run blocking from the receivers? It was it was similar rules. Um, I, I played a lot more just outside solo receiver under Coach Smith, and so that meant that a lot of times when you had that cover four look, when the safety was coming down in the box, it was your responsibility to come down and, and crack them. And so, you know, the Coach Coach Fence does a good job of teaching us to to kind of get in there, and make sure you have good leverage, and if you can get that one on one with the running back in the corner on the outside, you'll take that every day with the the backs that we have. Yeah. I mean, I've heard I've heard several receivers this year that they're, they're they're always talking about no block, no rock, and um, do do you guys do you guys like blocking as receivers or 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 are you out there to to you know catch passes? Well, I, I think everyone will be honest that you, you like catching passes more, but it's it's good you know making blocks for your your guys who run down the field and you, you see them run by and you know run run for a long touchdown or something. They're doing the same thing in pass protection for you, so it, it all works together. In practice, did did you and Kyle go up against each other at all? Every day, yeah, <laughs> all the time. I was the better one. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really about <laughs> run blocking, is you're not gonna you know crack someone on your own team in practice like that. But uh, yeah, we like one on ones <laughs> and seven on seven and stuff uh, all, all the time. All the time. Who uh, who 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 is the better trash talker out there? Timmy's more of a trash talker. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not much of a talker, so that boy Timmy loves to talk. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. Yeah, man. yeah. I mean, I I I watched every. I've been there for every camp since Jonathan's been there, and it seems like every year the 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 secondary guys are getting cockier by the year. They they. I mean, oh, yeah. they, they've earned they, it. They yeah. I mean they they know it, and they and they don't and they don't back off either. I mean it it wasn't quite it wasn't too much the first year or two, but. The last couple of years, it's been they let you know. So I, I I don't know what it was like when you guys were playing though. Hey, if you can back it up, 
talk all you want. And the way that the, the DBs have been playing since, since uh, you know, really since Bray took over, I, I think that they've, they've earned the ability to trash talk. Yeah. Well, now comes the, uh, the, the, the bigger question on this team is who, who's going to play quarterback. You know, it's, it's kind of a moot point if Chance Nolan isn't cleared from concussion protocol, but I suspect he's going to be cleared here before too long. And, you know, when that happens, you know, who should start? I, my, my thought is, I don't really know. I thought Gulbrunson was going to win the job. You know, if, if he went out and played well in these first couple games, he was going to win the job. But I don't know that he's better than Chance Nolan at this point. He's three and zero, but I, I don't know that he's better. I, Kyle, what what, you, what what have you seen from those two? And I mean, who would you start? I mean, so when I look at it, I agree that they do have similar play level. But Gobertson, or you know, the quarterback been playing the last couple of games. He's younger. I would probably start him over just because they already have similar experience. But and they play evenly. But he's just the younger bat. He's the younger quarterback that you can sort of prolong longer, and you can help grow him into a better quarterback. Timmy, what 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 do you, what do you think? What what have you seen from both of them? Who would you start? I think that's a fair way to look at it. You know, if you want to, if if your goal here is to build around Ben for the, for the future, then yeah, let let him go because I I agree that the difference between the two isn't too much. Uh, if your goal is to win these next four games, give your chance the best chance to to run the table here. I I'd probably go with Chance just because while while they have played similar, I think that at their best, I think Chance has shown a little bit more than Ben has in terms of ceiling. You know, he he has had those moments where he he'll throw a deep ball, deep and uh, deep ball, and uh, you know I have not seen Ben really kind of take that shot that, you know, especially the Boise State game earlier in the year, Chance was really looking good, similar in the in the Fresno game as well. And after that, it started to die down a little bit. But, um, you know, just having that in your back pocket and the defense is aware that you, you have that ability, I think is a is a big deal. And I, I think until Ben can show that he has that, that deep threat ability, I, I don't think anyone's going to respect it. I, I kind of agree with you. I, I, I think Chance probably is the better guy, all things being equal, but his last five quarters were not good. Now, granted, it was USC not. and Utah, and I don't know where his confidence is, and then obviously he hasn't played in you know almost a month. Um, you know, so there's a couple issues there, so I don't really know. Jonathan and, and you know, Brian have a pretty big decision to make I, I i think once chance is cleared and like i said i don't know when that's going to be but i i suspect it you know it's it's not it's not season ending with him so at some point but i mean if, if ben keeps starting games at some point you probably just got to keep going with him especially if he stays you know if they keep winning you, you kind of got to go with the guy that's winning so i don't know um so a few big picture things here you know oregon state six and two they got four games left Wash at Washington on Friday, the November fourth. Cal at home, Arizona State in Tempe, and then they finish the regular season with Oregon. Um, Kyle, how many wins do they get among those four? Out of the last four, I say they take. I'm hoping for three of the four. I think they go three and one for the last four games, and it's going to come down to the Civil War, where it's going to be that last loss or win. Yeah, so you think you think they win? Which 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 three? You think you think they get Washington, Cal, and Arizona State? I believe they could take all three of those, and it's in 
So we had like a full discussion about it this weekend and we were trying to like statistically put it all together and like the chances of us going to the Pac-12 championship. And basically with Oregon being six and one at the moment, they'd have to lose before coming to us. And so if Oregon loses to Utah and then we can upset Oregon, we have a shot at it. But if Oregon beats Utah and we still lose to, and we beat Oregon, they'll still make it. So, I mean, overall, I think that's going to be the biggest game of the season, like it always is. But this time it's that much greater because I think we're even both teams, Oregon and Oregon State, finally. I, I laid out the scenario early, earlier this week in, on the website about you know what Oregon State needs to do to get to the Pac-12 championship game, and it's it's a pretty tough road. They they've got to have a lot of they got to get some breaks, and obviously have to win their last four. But t- Timmy, how many how many wins do you think Oregon State gets out of these last four? I agree with Kyle. I think three is probably the the goal here. Um, Washington on the road. Probably a coin flip. ESPN has us at only a 40% chance of making it. Um, Cal should win that. ASU should win that. Get a loss in either one of those would, would really sting. And then at home versus Oregon, uh, that'll be a tough one. You know, I know everyone, including myself, wanted the dog on Oregon for that Georgia game. But watching what Georgia has done to every other team as well, I, I think this might be a, a little bit of just Georgia being that dominant compared to every other team in college football. And, you know, I don't know if we should really use that as a measuring stick for Oregon. They, they're looking good this year. Bo Nix has an offense going pretty well, and that's going to be a tough game. And, you know, if we do win those, those first three and we can go up against Oregon at nine and two, you know, potentially we, we would need some help from, from everywhere else, but it, it could be a win and we're in the Pac-12 championship. That would be, you know, I think that would tell the, the rest of the Pac-12 that Oregon State is, is back on the map. Right. My, my takeaway from Saturday was Oregon, Oregon State's got four weeks to get this offense humming because they're not going to grind out a win against Oregon. That's just not going to happen. They, they're going to need to score probably 35 to 40 points to win that game, even if the defense plays outstanding. I mean, Oregon's going to score, and they're going to need – Oregon State's going to need to score 35, 37, 40 points to win. Um do you think they can do it? Do you, do you think this offense is? Do you think they got enough? Do you think they're receiving? Their receivers are dynamic enough to make this happen. Start with start with Kyle. It goes back to like our previous conversations on our receiving core is not consistent enough catching the ball. Where they're they're good players but not great when it's that small. It's there's just too many drops and. Again, in your just like you're saying, yeah, we're not going to win the game if we can't score. Uh, Bo Nix is literally he can run anywhere on the field and make the throws necessary. Their run game's great. Their receivers are really good. Their defense is pretty well, and so yeah, it's going to be a rough one. And if our receivers can't and quarterback especially can't play lights out that game, it's it's actually going to be a rough game. Timmy, what do you think of this receiving core? I, I think they're actually really good. I, I think they get hated on a little bit too much for the drops when you look at some of the plays they've been making. And they've been getting open. And you look at that Utah game. You know, Josiah was wide open on a 45-yard touchdown on fourth down that they missed him on. I think it was Gold had another one down the sideline on an out and up that he he was probably like a 65-yard, 7-yard touchdown if, if they can connect on that. I, again, it, I think it comes down to quarterback play versus Oregon, and that's why I want to start chances because 
you're not going like you said, you're not going to win this game by trying to grind out a game, grind it out on the ground against them. They're going to score points on us. And I think chance gives us that the best opportunity there. And the, a game like this versus Oregon, I think it's very similar versus uh, as it was versus Utah. And I, I think I got into a few discussions on Twitter about this, but you know, people wanted them to run the ball more. And I just, I didn't see a scenario where we beat Utah or, I don't, I didn't like our chances of, to beat Utah by trying to establish a run in that scenario. We needed to go out there and try to establish the pass that we could move the ball through the air. And unfortunately that game, we didn't do it. And because of that, it's going to look bad on the scorecard that we lost by, you know, how, however many points that we did. And you need to recognize the fact that trying to throw the ball against a team like Oregon versus Utah, it might increase your chances of getting a blowout loss, but it's going to give you the best chance to actually win the game. And I think that people get caught up too much on, you know, rewarding us for those silver lining seven point, 10 point losses versus a good team, as opposed to actually trying to win the game and recognizing that, you know, this game plan while also giving us the best chance to win could fall back and potentially end in a blowout loss. And I don't, I do respect coach Smith and Lindgren for coming out firing in some of these games in the air, knowing that and saying, Hey, we're going to try to get these quarterbacks going, but we keep, cause we know that we need them to win the game. And ultimately that's what we need to strive for is winning the game, not trying to, prolong as long as we can not trying to keep it close but to actually put put the put the foot to the gas get the offense going because that's how we're going to beat Oregon is that we need to get the offense going we can't just try to run the ball because they will the way they've been playing right now they're going to put points doesn't matter how great our defense has been playing it's going to be a tough game if we can't throw the ball through the air and it starts at the quarterback position yeah I mostly agree with you on that I I I, I kind of I laugh at some of the fans a little bit when they when they start going into the you know we need to run the ball more you know Oregon State's got a got to run 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 and and there are some situations this year I thought Oregon State could have run a little bit more but but I mean you're right that you in in modern college football you've got to throw the ball you cannot grind out 12 and 13 14 play drives consistently and win football games you got to have you got to get some big chunk plays at some point and and you and you've got to get some short fields you just can't you can't win games you know going 12 plays 80 yards four or five times a game it it just doesn't happen so so yeah i i mean i'm i'm with you on the on the passing thing if and if you're playing a team like like last week with colorado or you know even the the week before where i i felt like we were the better team by a good amount versus washington state in games like that yeah i think it's better to you know we can't run the ball. It's not risk. Let's make them beat us. But versus Oregon, you know, if we give them an opportunity to beat us. They're going to take it. And we need to be able to throw the ball and beat them. It can't be just this, you know, try to play this you no know, mistake free football and, you know, go down the field inch by inch. It's, it's just not going to work versus a team like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just kind of unfortunate that they don't have a guy like Luke Musgrave. Um, you know, he's the one guy that would really kind of, put this whole thing together i guess because he's he's big he's he's fast and and he's he just has the size that oregon state doesn't seem to have right now i um, mean you know he's kind of like isaiah hodgins that was a player that oregon state didn't have the last couple of years either is is that one guy that could go down the field kind of post up and, and you know get a tough catch on third down you know because they were so big and and physical um but uh I don't, and I don't know whether Musgrave is going to be back or not yet. I, I suspect not, but you know, we'll see. It's, it's possible, but well, having him on the field is, uh, is, is adds so much versatility to the offense because he's like another receiver, but he's also like another fullback at the same time because he can block so well. 
and you you can go out in that 12 personnel and it's almost like you still have three wide receivers on the field so if the defense brings in that small package to try to kind of stop luke in the air then you, you can kind of run run it in the box still and then you know, if they do bring in those extra, the big linebackers, now you got a mismatch there with uh, Luke being more athletic. Yeah. Hey, Kyle, I know what I was going to ask. I've been wanting to ask you all, all season. I keep forgetting was, so as a defensive guy, you, you really don't see this a lot, but, but Jack, you know, Jack Coletto, when he comes in on fourth down, first, fourth and one, fourth and two, all those fourth and third down short plays, as a defense, you know what's coming. What do you – what do you do? It's it's like funny because you know it's coming. Like even on TV, I watch it and I know it's coming. But the f- cool and funny thing about it is where he sits at, he has so many different offensive movements. He So he could bounce it to the outside. He could take it down the middle, left side, right side, inside zone, outside zone. So it's like everybody sort of just like nuts up and it's like you got to be ready to go on a play that you thought you were going to be out and you know it's just back at the mentality like this is another second to third down and i have to think of it as that opportunity instead of this is fourth down we're normally getting off the field and then when you see coletto it's like well this guy is like over 50 percent chance of getting this it's very frustrating that we just worked that hard and you know he's gonna get it so you know i mean when i was when we were at oregon state we never actually played anybody like that. I mean, I think we had, um, what, um, Christian McCaffrey one year at Stanford where you're just like, this dude can run the ball. And you know, when you give somebody that hype, it's like, they not, it's not that they never live. They always will live up to that expectation. It's just like, he's that guy and you know, he's going to do what he came in to do. So yeah, it's just like, you have to put your head down and be ready for it because it's going to be a dog fight anytime he comes in. Yeah, I've had. I mean, I've had fans say, uh, "You know, who's Oregon State going to recruit for their next Jack Coletto?" And I go, "They're not. He's a unicorn. They, 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 those guys don't exist." And I, you play, you played with Jack one year, didn't you, Timmy? Uh, in 2018, he was on the. He was. He started. He started the Colorado game, if I, if I remember right. Um, and he wasn't. He wasn't the Jack Coletto we know now. But I mean. <laughs> What was what was he? Did, what what do you remember about Jack? You know, just the year you played with him. Yeah, he wasn't as uh, as big as he is now. He kind of got a little bulkier as the season went on. But he, uh, I think we started that actually. I want to say towards the end of the season that year is when we really started doing that uh, that the Jack Hammer stuff. Yeah. Because um, because Jake 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 came back after that Colorado game and was a starting quarterback. But every once in a while we would bring Jack in just to run it. Um, but yeah, it's it's cool to see what he's become because he you know he was a little little shy when he first got there and then kind of grew up playing playing there and then now he's you know doing everything he can. He started as a quarterback, move over to linebacker, move back a little bit to quarterback. Now it's just it's fun watching him on the sideline on the TV. He's you see him come off the field and then you know usually the offense will go sit down talk to their coaches or defense will go down on their sideline their coaches and Jack is just sitting right there next to whoever you know whichever coordinator or or Kefense, um when when he's getting in the call from from Lingren because Ling Jack has to be there for whatever package is going in on offense or defense he might get his number called. Yeah, Jack isn't shy now. Jack 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 likes being Jack Coletto. I I know that. <laughs> um, so one last thing, Oregon State, like as I, I mentioned earlier, they're six and two, four games left, a bowl game, you know, long shot chance to get to the Pac-12 championship game. At this point, 
what is a successful season? What 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 do you, what do you think a successful season is at this point, Kyle? So I mean, what we went seven and five last year, or six and seven and six, seven okay, and six. seven and six, including yeah. But I mean, I think Oregon State for some reason, as fans and uh, myself included, I think last year was just the start. So the expectations are a lot higher. Uh, I see at the least. And this sounds crazy to say, but like a uh, a nine and three, but like like realistically, I want an eight and four. I think realistically, an eight and four season is a great season for Oregon State to finish at. But everybody wants the hopes and dreams of that nine and three, if not ten and two season. So that's the goal. The expectations are eight and four, though. What 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 do you think, Timmy? What's your, what do you call a, what do you call a successful season at this point? Anything less than eight is, I think, unacceptable at this point for the expectation. I think the, the, that that Cal game, that ASU game, those got to be wins. After that, Washington's going to be tough on the road. Oregon will be tough, assuming the bowl game, whoever we play. Who knows how bowl games are a little crazy. So um, I think if we beat Cal ASU and we still finish you know, eight and five or eight and six after eight and five after the bowl game, I think that that's still a successful season. Now we, we win one of those Washington Oregon games, win the bowl game, we get to nine or 10. I think that's uh, incredibly successful and, you know, we'll see what that can do for our recruiting class and, you know, going forward in the future to, to see if that can spring us forward to take the next step. Yeah. I kind of, th- I kind of think eight and five is the bare minimum now. I mean, I, they, Oregon state's got to win at least two, at least two of these last five games. And I, I would think probably three or four, but, um, you know, we'll, you know, we'll see how this goes. I mean, they, they've only had Oregon state's only had two 10 win seasons in program history. I mean, this is really a chance to make some, some history this season. So, so we'll see what happens. Um, well, anyway, that's, that's all the time we've got for this week's edition of the Beaver banter podcast. You, you can find this podcast wherever you, wherever you look for your favorite podcast. Be sure to check out Oregon Live for all our Oregon State content. We'll be back next week to talk about Oregon State's next game, a Friday nighter in Seattle against the Washington Huskies. We'll see you next week.